We are in part three of our series called Upside Down. Upside Down, it is a series on the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, and what the Beatitudes are, it is a, a, a part of a sermon that Jesus gives where he shares with us uh, the pattern for blessed living. Or really what he's giving us, he's giving us the characteristics of a blessed life. How many of you desire a blessed life, right? So when Jesus talks about blessing and what that looks like, I'm all ears. I want to know everything that he has to say. And so if you have your Bible this morning, go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We'll begin at verse 3 just to kind of recap where we've been over the last few weeks. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 3. If you're there, say, I've got it. If you're not there, say, hold up, Chris. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Verse 5 again says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, for your word. I, I pray that you would just speak to us, change us, transform us in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's talk about the word meek for a few moments. Uh, the word meek is not a very common word that is used. We really don't use the word meek nowadays. You don't uh, see the word meek used in job descriptions, right? Like you don't say we're looking for a, a confident, self-motivating, meek person. You don't see that anymore. You don't see the word meek uh, used to describe maybe uh, athletes or, or, or CEOs of, of, of very successful companies. The word meek is just not used anymore. And, and, and partly I believe that the word meek is not used because I think over the years, the word meek has been mistakenly confused with the word weak. When people hear meek, they think, oh, well, that means weak. And I don't want to be weak, so surely I'm not meek. But I, let me just reassure you this morning that the word meek or meekness does not mean weakness. In fact, what the word meek means, if you go to the original language in the Greek, the word meek is actually translated as gentle, gentle. And if we were to go a little further with that definition and that explanation of the word gentle, what the word gentle means is strength under control, strength under control, often in that time used to describe maybe a, a tamed wild stallion. A tamed wild stallion. See, a tamed wild stallion, uh, just because the, the stallion is tamed does not mean that it lost its strength or its power. It could still kick you and kill you. Uh, the, the wild stallion that is tamed uh, can still run a lot faster than you can. Like, the, the wild stallion did not lose its power, but it's, it's now tamed, meaning that the strength and power of the stallion is now subject to its master's use. You following me? So what Jesus is saying, he's saying a blessed person is a gentle person. He's saying a blessed person is one who has strength that is under control. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the gentle. Blessed are those who have their strength under control. So let me give you a few examples of what that would look like. 
Uh, Oscar, go ahead and throw up that picture on the screen. Does everybody know who that is? Who, who is that? Chuck Norris. Does everybody know who Chuck Norris is? Who does not know who Chuck Norris is? Who does not know? Chuck Norris. Okay, I see a few hands. Some of the younger ones, a few hands. Chuck Norris. Oh, well, let me school y'all for a little bit, all right? Chuck Norris. Man, what can you say about Chuck Norris? Chuck Norris, uh, he's just a bad dude, man. He's just a bad dude. He is a, a karate champion, has won multiple, multiple karate championships. Uh, he holds black belts in various degrees of martial arts. Like, like, he's just a bad dude. So, like, in the 70s and 80s, he became an action star. He became an action star. And, and, and so I grew up as a kid watching Chuck Norris movies. And you may be wondering, well, what are you doing as a kid watching those types of movies? Well, you can ask my parents about that. They, they're in the fourth row right there asking what they were doing, allowing me, a little kid, to watch Chuck Norris movies. But, man, I was a huge Chuck Norris fan. I mean, I, just, I, watch, I still watch his movies today. Like, when they show up on TV, I'm watching them, right? And, and Nancy thinks it's the cheesiest thing. But, man, I, I, man, I love Chuck Norris movies. He's a bad dude. Say he's a bad dude. He's a bad Chuck Norris is the man. Well, there's a story about Chuck Norris, a true story that he actually tells himself uh, about a time he was taking a break from filming and he went to a restaurant. And Chuck Norris goes to the restaurant and he sits in a booth and he's got his food and his drink and he's there. Well, the end walks this big tough guy into the restaurant and he walks straight up to Chuck Norris's booth and he says, hey, that's my booth. Chuck Norris said, I was a little bothered by that, but I grabbed my drink and my plate. I got up and I walked to another booth. Well, a few moments pass by, and this tough guy gets up, walks straight up to Chuck Norris's booth. Hey, wait a second. Aren't you Chuck Norris? He said, yes, I am. And he said, man, he said, man, you could have kicked my butt all over this place. He said, yes, I could have. <laughs> he said, why didn't you? And Chuck said, well, well, sorry. Chuck said, he said, he said, what would it have proved? What would it have proved if I had done that? And if the man stuck out his hand and said, man, thank you. And Chuck Norris reached out his hand and, and thanked him. And Chuck Norris said, you know, that day I made a friend instead of an enemy. How many of you would agree that that's strength under control? Right? Now, I know that's not a biblical example, right? Like, I know that's not the Bible, but, but let me give you some biblical examples now. So, let's, let's talk about Joseph. If you're familiar with the story of Joseph, Joseph was a, 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 a young man at the time. He was a, a, a child. He had the favor of God on his life, but, but he had brothers that were jealous of him. And so, his brothers were so jealous of, of him that they wanted to kill him. And they wanted to kill him, but, but they didn't kill him. Instead, they sold him into slavery. I mean, imagine that for a moment. Imagine your siblings. Imagine your brother or sister hating you so much. They want to kill you, but eventually they just sell you into slavery. Well, that's what happened to Joseph. So Joseph is sold into slavery, and he goes through these seasons of his life and where, where he's, in, he's in slavery, he's in prison, he's falsely accused. All these different things are happening, but yet the favor of God is still on his life to where eventually Joseph rises to become the second 
the second greatest man in all of Egypt, the second in command of all of Egypt, like he's the man in Egypt. Well, one day his brothers, because there's a famine in the land, his brothers have to go see this ruler in Egypt, Joseph. But they don't know that it's Joseph, but Joseph knows that it's them. Now, when Joseph sees his brothers, Joseph had some options. Joseph, being the second in command in Egypt, could have easily said, hey, instantly, have them killed. Do you know what they did to me? Or he could have said, hey, throw them in an Egyptian prison. Let them experience and let them see what I went through. But he doesn't do that. Instead, what happens is Joseph is moved with compassion towards them. In fact, there's, you read in the text where Joseph, he, he gets emotional when he sees them, that he has to go and leave to another room because he didn't want them to see him crying. But they didn't know it was him until finally it's revealed that, hey, wait a second, this is Joseph. And all the memories and things that they did to Joseph came back to them, and they got scared. They thought, oh, my goodness, we're done. But what happens? Joseph being moved with compassion. Genesis chapter 45, verse 5 says, and now, this is, what, this is what Joseph tells his brother. He says, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Right? Joseph at that moment was demonstrating what? Strength under control. Strength under control. Why? Is that so important for us? Why does Jesus say that a blessed person is a gentle person? Why does Jesus say that a blessed person is one who walks with strength under control? Because, see, that's surely not a, a, a popular view of the world. Like, the world doesn't want you to be meek. The world says, go and get yours. The world says, be aggressive. But Jesus says, no, a blessed person is a gentle person. A blessed person is one who walks with their strength under control. So let's bring this to our context for a moment. I want to give you three reasons why walking in meekness, walking in gentleness is important. The first reason that I want to bring to you as to, as to why walking in meekness and gentleness is important is this. Number one, it diffuses conflict. It diffuses conflict. In fact, let's look at the Scriptures. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Other translations say a gentle word. A gentle word turns away wrath. You know, right now, I read this in Psychology Today. Right now, there are people who are addicted to being angry. Do you know that? Right now, in fact, let me just say, you may be one of them. There are people that have an addiction to being angry. And, and, and these people, what happens is they get this certain rush when they get angry. They like being upset. They like being angry. These are the type of people that like conflict. 
These are the type of people that like to argue. Do y'all know anybody who likes conflict? Don't nudge the person next to you. Don't look at them. I just said for you, raise your hand. Do you know anybody who likes conflict? See, you raising your hand, you're stirring up conflict now. But, but there are people addicted to conflict. They're addicted to being angry. They like being angry. And, and if you don't know, if you don't think that that's you, um, um, people who are addicted to being angry or people who are addicted to conflict, they say statements like this, man, I wish he would say something. Oh, yeah, I wish she would look at me crazy again. Say something. Say something. Say something. Talk to me crazy. Yell at me again. Right? Right? Though they, they, they say things. They, they look for it. They, 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 they want it. They thrive off of it. They get a rush from it. Man, I like being angry. Or maybe you're in the car. And you push your car horn more than once. In fact, you stomp your car horn. I was riding with somebody one time. I won't say who. But she. Wasn't me. We were going through some traffic, and this car uh, cut us off. It was in the front of us. And... This person, this said person, uh, got upset. And so I promise you, the horn went off about seven times. And I looked at her like, uh, are you okay? She goes, it's just so frustrating. But I was like, love, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, but I was like, hey. They heard the first horn. Like, they're good. They're good. They didn't need to hear it six more times. They get it. They messed up. But chances are you've been there, right? Like, like you just, that horn is just there. It's like, ugh. And for some of you, it's like, man, it's the only thing that keeps me from cussing. Like, let me just hit the horn, right? There's a rush to being angry. There's a rush to being upset. There's a rush when it's conflict. And it often happens sometimes, maybe you're arguing with somebody and they start yelling at you. And the question is, do you want to yell back? And the reality is when both of you are yelling, you're not accomplishing anything. But instead, next time when somebody's yelling at you in an argument or whatnot, why don't you speak softly? See how that works out. I had an incident one time here at the church wasn't with any of you, but I did have an incident one time. I was leaving the building, and this gentleman walks up to me. He says, hey, I need to get in that building. I said, uh, no, you can't. The building's closed. The offices are closed right now. He says, no, I need to get in that building to pray. I said, yeah. I said, you can't do that, man. I said, there's nobody here. I said, but, but I told him when our service times were and everything. He says, I need to get in that building. And his fist starts balling up. And after a few times of telling him no, he says, man, I ought to punch you in your face. All right? And I was pretty quiet. 
but I was praying, right, in my head. I was, so if you ever come yelling at me and I don't say anything to you, it's because I'm praying. I'm praying. But I was praying, and I said, brother, you don't want to do that. He said, I want to punch you in the face. And I said, no, you don't want to do that, man. You don't want to do it. Trust me. And as I'm saying that, I'm noticing he's backing up, backing up. And I'm not even doing anything. I'm just telling him, no, you don't want to do that. And he's walking away. And he's still yelling at me as he's walking away. But I was praying, and I spoke softly to him, and it diffused this conflict that could have gone pretty bad. How many arguments have you been in where had you just softened your tone? The argument could have ended very quickly and probably would have been able to resolve the situation, whatever it was. Next time you and your spouse are going at it and your spouse may come at you yelling, speak softly. Why? Because a soft word a gentle word, a meek word, diffuses conflict. It's important for us to walk as meek, gentle people. Why? Because it diffuses conflict. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 4 says, If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. Verse 4 again says, if the anger of the ruler, replace the word ruler with boss. (laughs) If your boss, if your manager rises against you, how many of you had your boss or manager rise against you, right? Do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. A soft answer, a gentle answer, to be meek, to be gentle. A blessed person has strength under control. What's another reason why we need to walk as meek and gentle people on this earth? Number two, the world is watching. The world is watching us. Titus chapter 3 verse 2 says, To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be what? Gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward Christians. It doesn't say Christians. Okay, let's read that again. To be gentle and to show perfect courtesy towards the people that agree with us. No, don't say that either. To show perfect courtesy towards Republicans. To show perfect courtesy towards Democrats. To show perfect courtesy towards Libertarians. No, it's just to show perfect courtesy what towards all people. The world is watching us. The world is watching us. And see, and, and I say this all the time. I feel like I repeat this every single time, but it's the world that we live in. Man, social media has exposed you. It has exposed you. There's a term that's been out for a few years now, but you may not have heard it. How many of you are familiar with trolling? How many know what trolling is? Okay. Trolling. Internet trolls. What a troll is... A, a troller is a person that, 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 that puts something out there in social media, that puts something out there that is meant to rile up and stir up some controversy. Like they say certain things, they make certain, certain statements, they share certain posts just to stir you up. And what they do when they, when they do that is they throw the bait out there. And sadly, 
many of us had taken the bait. And they said something or they posted something or they shared something that you didn't quite agree with. And you said, let me get on my phone. Let me get my thumbs rolling. And let me tell you what I think. You took the bait. They got you. But unfortunately, we, we live in this season, we live in this time now where, where, where social media is exposing us as Christians. It's exposing us, especially in this political climate that we live in. Especially when we got political leaders that cannot even control their social media behavior. It is what it is. And when our leaders can't even control that, why do we expect the world to? But see, we're not of the world. We're followers of Jesus. And Jesus said a blessed person is a gentle person. A blessed person is a meek person. And so let me just encourage you, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. You say, Chris, man, I can't help it. Yes, you can. Just stay off social media. Just stay off of it. If you can't handle it, just stay off of it. If there's certain people that post stuff that bothers you, just unfollow them. Just delete them, whatever it takes. Just stay off of it. Don't take the bait because the world is watching. And Jesus says a blessed person is a gentle person. A blessed person is one who walks in strength under control. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, but in your hearts... Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with what? Gentleness and respect. How we respond to fellow believers, but also how we respond to the world. How we respond to people who disagree with us in our faith how we respond to people who may not believe what you believe. The world is watching. And Jesus says, a blessed person is a gentle person, one who walks with strength under control. Third reason why it's important for us to walk in meekness and gentleness. Number three is because it makes me more like Jesus. It makes me more like Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus makes this statement. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am what? Gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And let me ask you a question. Could it be possible that some of the stress and anxiety that you have in your life is because you're not gentle? Could it be possible that, that, that all the stress that you have and all the anxiety and all everything that seems to be piling up on you and the way that you respond, the way that you act, the way that you speak towards people could be the fact that you're just not being gentle? Gentle. 
Maybe you're just not walking in meekness. You may think you are, but the people around you know you aren't. Because I know people. I've encountered people. You know, they're, they're not only people who are addicted to being angry, but they're also people who are addicted to intimidating people. Like, you like it when somebody's intimidated by your presence. You like it. So you speak to them that way, and you keep speaking to them. You keep hovering yourself over them. You keep throwing everything on them. You're like, ah, man, you're going to feel me. They're going to know me. They're going to know what I believe in. And you like intimidation because you like anger. You like confrontation. But my friend, that doesn't make you more like Jesus. If you like intimidating people, you're actually nothing like him at all. You're not walking in meekness. You're not walking in gentleness. But walking in gentleness makes us more like Jesus. And he says, take what I have to give you. Take what I want to bestow on you because I am gentle. I am lowly in heart. Man, we're talking about the Son of God. The one who has all power and authority. And there's a, there's a moment in Scripture where we see where Jesus is about to be arrested, for, to be taken to the cross because he was falsely accused. And he's, he's about to be arrested, and, and the soldiers come, and they, the, the whole scene is getting wild and crazy, and the disciples are like freaking out because they're coming to arrest their teacher, Jesus. And what does Peter do? Peter takes out his sword and says, no, you ain't doing it. And he strikes the soldier, cuts off his ear. And Jesus says, wait, what are you doing? No. Peter, if you only knew, man, I have the power and authority. Man, I could mop the floor with these soldiers. Man, I got angels at my beck and call, man. I could destroy this whole place with a snap of my finger, and I ain't Thanos. No, Peter, I didn't come to do that. I'm willfully giving of myself. I'm willfully demonstrating to you all that I have strength under control. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who are gentle. Blessed are those who walk with their strength under control. Isaiah 53, verse 7 says this, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. I mean, just imagine the scene. Jesus is getting beaten, he's getting spit on, he's getting laughed at, he's getting mocked. 
They're cursing him. They're saying all sorts of such foul things to him. They're doing foul things to him physically. Man, they are humiliating him. And he said not a word. Being meek and gentle makes us more like him. But let me tell you something this morning. You're not born a meek person. Because you may be asking, well, okay, I get it. Meekness, gentleness, I see it. I need to be more like Jesus. I need to be meek. I need to be gentle. But man, I'm just not a gentle person. I'm not a meek person. It's just my personality. This is just the way I am. Well, let me tell you something. Once you have a relationship with Jesus, your personality and who you are should come under the lordship of Jesus too. And of course you're not meek and gentle by nature. No. Because when Jesus comes, it's a new nature. When Jesus comes, it's a new life. It's through the Spirit of God that you get gentleness. It's through the Spirit of God that you can get meekness. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says, But the fruit of the what? The Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. See, meekness and gentleness can only come from the Spirit of God. And if you are submitted to the Spirit of God, if you desire for the Spirit of God to be at work in your life, He will give you gentleness. He will teach you and show you how to walk in meekness. He will remove that addiction to anger that some of you have. Because when the Spirit of God is in you and He's leading you, the next time you get into a confrontation, the next time you get into an argument, the next time there's a potential for a shouting match, it'll be the Spirit of God in you to be like, uh-uh, hold back, Chris. Think before you respond. Think before you say something that you'll regret. Think before you say something that will escalate this to someplace you never wanted it to go. I don't know if that's maybe with your spouse. I don't know if that's with people you know, if it's with family, if it's with coworkers, if it's with your boss. But I want you to ask yourself the question, who can I be gentle with this week? This week, what ways can I exercise my power under control? In what ways this week can I walk in gentleness? In what ways this week can I walk in meekness? And I promise you, he will show you. Some of you, as soon as this service is over, as soon as you leave this building, you're going to be confronted with situations that may cause you 
to walk in meekness and gentleness. That may cause you to speak softly. That may cause you to put your strength and your power under control. But this morning, you know who you are if you got anger issues. Some of you know you have anger issues. And truthfully speaking, there's people around you that know you have anger issues. Because when you walk into a room, there's a certain countenance that you have. When you walk into a group of people, there's, there's a certain thing that you bring. You know who you are. And let me tell you this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to change you, wants to transform you. He wants to make you more into the likeness of Jesus. Jesus said, my yoke, what I have to give you. It's gentle. It's gentle. It's meek. And I don't know who you are this morning. Let's stand to our feet. But if you know you have anger issues, and I'm being serious, If you know you have anger issues, if you know you are addicted to confrontation, you are addicted to conflict, let me just tell you that is not of the Spirit of God. If you're always angry, if you like intimidating people, that's not of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit wants you to confront some things this morning. But if you can be honest this morning, hey, there's probably a lot of us in here. This is, man, you know what? Sometimes I have a problem with anger. Sometimes I say things that, man, I, I know I shouldn't have said. Sometimes I raise my voice when I know I shouldn't. And if you can be honest this morning and say, you know what? Holy Spirit, I need you to deal with my anger. I want you just to lift your hands up. Let's just be honest. I see hands. It's okay to be honest. It's okay to be honest and keep those hands up. It's okay. And we're going to pray this morning that you receive a touch from the Spirit of God. That Jesus will give you what he's always wanted to give you. Rest and peace. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, you see the hands that are lifted. Lord, and we admit this morning, we have anger issues. And Father, we know that's only something that you can deal with. That's only something that you can remove. That's only something that you can take care of. So, Holy Spirit, we are submitting our lives, our will to you. 
Remove this anger. Remove this anger. Holy Spirit, help me to walk in gentleness and meekness with my spouse, with my children, with my family, with coworkers, with people that I encounter. Help me, Holy Spirit. I cannot do this on my own. Remove this anger, this bitterness. Whatever is at the root, remove it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now just begin to thank him for the work that he's doing in your life. Begin to thank him for removing anger. Begin to thank him for removing bitterness. Begin to thank him for making you new, for making you transform, for changing you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing the work that only you can do. We thank you for a new heart. We thank you for a new spirit. We thank you. We thank you. Let's all lift our hands to the Lord. Begin to worship him. Let's begin to worship him. Worship him.